Kings, 2 Kings chapter 13 this morning, and I uh, do appreciate the good testimonies and the singing, uh, the Sunday school hour, it's just all been good this morning, I praise God for it, and I, I want to say I love this church, I love Bible Baptist Church, love each one of you and appreciate you, and uh, thank God for you, I just, this morning was just praying for the service and praying uh, for you that God, and been praying for myself, amen, uh, but just thought this morning as I was praying Lord sure has been good to us. Give us a good church and a good church family. Amen. I know the devil don't like it. Amen. Uh, but you know what? Anything God does, the devil don't like. And, uh, I, you know, I thank God I'm not a mason. Amen. Amen. I thank God I'm not a part of the lodge. Amen. So well, I'm, a, I'm a member of that. Well, you can always quit, you know. Isn't that right? And uh, no secret meetings, no secret lodges or anything like that. I'm not preaching. I, I got a good positive message, I think, anyway, this morning. Let me just get this out of my system real good. Because I'm headed somewhere. I, I thank God I'm not any of those things. And I'm not better. There's people that don't know no better, you know. So I'm not beating up on people who are. I just thank God that the Masons didn't get me. That the lodge didn't get me. But Jesus got me. And, uh, and I thank God I'm in the church. I mean, I'm going to go to church. I mean, I might have to be in a wheelchair one day. I uh, hope I never have to, but I might have to be. But I'm going to go to church till my dying breath. Amen, as long as I can. Might be a day I can't go to church. And I'll have to watch it. Like, brother, uh, you, know, you know why you don't get it? It's not the same because we're not called to watch. We're called to attend, ain't we? Isn't that right? And, uh, but I'm glad we got it to watch when you have to be at home. But like you said, it's not the same. But I'm glad I'm in it. Go to church every bit, every time the doors are open, you go to church. Because a day may come that you can't. Some of you young men, I don't, I'm trying to find some of you. You've been coming in late for Sunday school. Now you need, you're too young to be late. I mean, you're too, good, you're too healthy to be late for Sunday school. Can I get an amen right there? You've got a driver license and you're healthy. Uh, you get here 10 minutes early, not 10 minutes late. Can I get a witness on that right there? Amen. If that makes you mad, see me after service and we'll talk about it. But I ain't going to change my mind, I can tell you that. Amen. We just need to talk about it. And, and, uh, and I want to talk to you. I want you to be faithful to Sunday school. I don't come dragging in late. You're going to get married one of these days. I'm trying to get to preaching, but I just feel like I'll say, you're going to get married one of these days and don't develop the habit of being late for church because you'll drag your family into that, and they'll all suffer. Am I telling the truth this morning? So start next Sunday. If you've been late, be on time. Let's all stand. Second Kings chapter 13 and verse number 20. Second Kings 13 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Father, I ask you this morning, if you would, to give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray you'd help us this morning. And Lord, to say only what you would have us to say. I pray, God, that you would move in the invitation as only you can. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
I want you to notice in this text here, it begins with the man of God. The Bible says that Elisha died and they buried him. The man of God has been buried, the prophet. And then it talks about the Moabites. Notice verse number 20. And the band of Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. So the man of God, the prophet, has been buried. And the Moabites, these pagans, uh, uh, they band together and they're getting ready to invade the land of the people of God. But notice these men in verse number 21. The Bible said that it came to pass as they were burying a man. Now we see these pallbearers in this text. And, and they're busy. They're they're going uh, to. A, they're in a funeral procession, and they're taking this uh, the body of this man out. They're getting ready uh, to bury this man in verse number twenty one. But notice, uh, I want you to notice this stranger here. That's what I call the man in our text because uh, we do not know his face. The Bible said that it came to pass as they were burying a man, uh, and so we don't know exactly who that man is. We don't know his face. His name is not given. His address. We don't know where he was from, his location, so to speak. Uh, we don't know his family. We don't know his friends. Uh, we don't even know his final end. We don't, we don't know what happened to this man, how that he lost his life. Was it from natural causes? Uh, was it something due to this band of the Moabites coming in? We do not know. He's just a stranger in the text. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. But I want you to see not only the stranger in our text, but I want you to notice the servant in our text in Verse number 21, the Bible said that they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. Now when we think about Elisha in this text here, Elisha the great prophet of God, Elisha the voice of God, Elisha the great man of God. But in our text, uh, Elisha is dead. That's what verse number 20 says. And Elisha died. Amen. I mean as great of a prophet as he was, as great of a man of God as he was, uh, Elisha was just a man like every other man and the Bible says it is appointed and a man wants to die and after this the judgment so we see the servant in this text Elisha has died Elisha is dead but he's not just dead I want you to notice in verse number 21 that Elisha is decaying the Bible said that when the man was let down notice this he touched the bones of Elisha now that tells me that Elisha didn't die last week he didn't die last month in fact he's been dead for a whole year now. Elisha is decaying. I mean his body is, is gone. Just the bones are just left there. You know men of God come and men of God goes as we see in this text here and we see the servant and we see the stranger. You say Brother Gravely what's your point? Well I would say this this morning. I was reading this text a few weeks back and um I got to thinking about it and I got to thinking about this story here. It's a little story, just a small story, but it's fascinating to me. I don't know if it is to you, but when I think about what happened, uh, there's a lot of things in this text here uh, that we can relate to. I mean, listen, there's nothing uh, this, there's nothing unusual about a man dying. Elisha died. There's nothing unusual about uh, the enemy trying to, to come in and to invade the land. Uh, we even see that in the day and hour that we're living in. 
done. Nothing, uh, uh, no, there's nothing unusual about a funeral procession when you think about that. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, we're used to seeing something like that. But there's the supernatural in this text uh, that really makes this story. I mean, they're taking this man out. They're getting to ready to bury him. They spy a band of Moabites uh, and they cast this man in Elisha's tomb. Uh, and up to this point, uh, there's not anything about that that would really get our attention. But notice the last part of this phrase here. The Bible said that they, t- uh, that they let him down and touched the bones of Elisha. Now notice this. Uh, he revived and he stood upon his feet. Now when I got to reading this story, if there was anything in this text that got my attention, it would be this miracle. Amen. I mean, they throw this man in the tomb of Elisha. He no longer goes in and he comes right back out. Didn't that something? I mean, that's the supernatural. Amen. I mean, they put him in. Here he comes right back out. Now, I promise you, you've never been to a funeral like that. You've never seen anything like that happen. You've seen the strangers be buried. You've seen the men of God even be dead and die, but you've never seen the supernatural. And I was reading that story one day and I thought to myself, now God, why would you do that certain miracle? You ever thought about that? I don't know if I got all the answer, but I think I got some of the answer. You say, why would God do that? I think he did it, number one, to just show us that even though Elisha was dead, Elisha's God is not dead. Elisha may be dead. It's clear in verse 20 that he is. Uh, The Bible says he is dead. It's even more clear in verse 21. He's not just dead, but he's graveyard dead. I'm telling you, the flesh is gone. And Elisha's down to the bones. Uh, But I'm going to tell you something. Elisha's dead. Elisha's gone. Uh, But Elisha's God is not dead. He's very much alive. Uh, And Elisha's God is my God. And if you're saved, Elisha's God is your God. I'm glad I can stand here this morning and say that God is not dead. He's very much alive. And I think this miracle was performed to prove that though the man of God may live and he may die, his God that he preaches about and the God that he serves, he's still alive. Hallelujah. Then I think it proves that not only is Elisha's God's not dead, but it proves that Elisha's grave is not dead. Thank God there's some life in that grave. Amen. There's a stirring in that tomb. There's a stirring on the inside. God is still working and God is still moving inside that tomb. His grave is not dead. I want to tell you my friend God specializes in working in the, with the dead and working in the grave. I've been to enough Baptist churches to know that, that God specializes in working with the dead. Amen. And this isn't the first dead preacher I come across, uh, I promise you in my journey, uh, uh, but God uh, uh, knows how to work. Uh, he, what That man goes in, uh, but God uh, uh, brings him out. Uh, reminds me of another man that went in a tomb one day. Uh, he went in, but thank God he came out. Uh, and because he came out one of these days, uh, uh, we're all going to come out. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, every blood washed saint of God uh, and ever died in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is going to get up on that great resurrection morning. What we're reading about this morning is going to prove his grave isn't dead and your loved one's grave is not dead if they're saved. I mean, Elisha's God is not dead. Elisha's grave is not dead. And then Elisha's guest is not dead. You realize this man was just a guest. He gets thrown in. He don't stay in there. He comes out. 
This man's a picture of every sinner lost and dead in their trespasses and sin. He's a picture. Man, we have no identity outside the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And we were just a castaway, just like this man. But thank God uh, a resurrection took place in our life, uh, just like it took place in his life. Uh, And that's what I want to preach on a few minutes. Uh, Notice that last little phrase. Uh, The Bible said, he revived. Two words, he revived. I want to preach this morning on a personal revival because God is interested in a national revival. He's interested in a community-wide revival. He's definitely interested in a church revival, but he's also interested in a personal revival. I tell you what I wish God would do this morning. I wish he'd give some personal revivals. You say, now, Brother Gravy, don't you want to see a church wide? Oh, I do, but we'll never see church wide until it gets personal. And what I notice in this text this morning is that he used some unlikely events in this text to bring us down to verse number 21 so that this man could have a personal revival. Do you realize God wants you to have revival and God wants me to have revival? I don't want to coast in these last days. I don't want to get used to the atmosphere of the church. I don't want to get used to where I'm at. Hey, I thank God for this church, but you can die in this church as well as you can any other church. You can backslide in this church as well as you can in any other church and you can't blame it on people and you can't blame it on places and you can't blame it on promise problems friend I'm telling you this morning we all have a will we all get to make a choice and it's up to every one of us if we want revival we can have revival the longer you stay in one place listen to me the more tempting it is to get at ease in Zion. Or you come to this church the first time, you just love everything about it. All the way down, you love the carpet, hallelujah. I've watched it 25 years, I've seen it enough. People, not everybody's this way, but some people, it's the next thing since sliced, how many of y'all like apple butter and sliced bread? If you're saved, you like apple butter and sliced bread. I mean, it's the best next. It's the next best thing to that. You, I'll tell you, it's the greatest church I've ever been a part of. But after a few years, if you're not careful, you'll get used to the singing. You'll get used to the atmosphere. You'll get used to the choir. You'll get used to the preaching. You'll get used to the people. And oh, I tell you, that's when it gets real, real dangerous. Uh, you can get cold. You can get callous. You can get critical. And if you're not careful, the devil will throw you a curve, uh, and you can get out. Amen. I, I tell you, there is hope. If you're here like that this morning, I pray God sits down right next to you this morning and gives you an old-fashioned personal revival. Amen. You say, well, preacher, you think God can do that? I know he can. Let me give you some thoughts this morning. I want to say, first of all, in this personal revival, he used an an unlikely period. The Bible said in verse number 20, notice the period. Elisha died and they buried him and the band of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. Think about the timing of this text in verse number 20. Think about where we're at. It is a dark time. The prophet of God is dead. It is a dead time. Not only did Elisha die, but the voice for the nation of Israel seemed to be passed off the scene. What were they going to do? Elisha provided them counsel. He provided them the voice of God. He gave them the direction and the commands in how that they would win the battle and gain the victory. I'm talking about it is a dead time and then it is a dark time. I mean, you think about this. A very dark and a very dead time 
but a very dangerous time. Look at verse 20. The band of the Moabites uh, invaded the land at the coming end of the year. Elisha's been dead for one year and the Moabites start coming in. Uh, they start coming in in bands. Uh, they start moving in. The enemy is closing in on them. But in spite of all that is taking place, uh, the prophet is dead. The enemy is on the threshold. Uh, but in the midst of it all, you know what God does? Uh, he still revives this man. You say, preacher, we're living in dark days. Uh, we're living in dangerous times. Oh, yes. Uh, but who wants to dwell on all that? Uh, I'm telling you, God's bigger than our days. Uh, he's bigger than our times. Uh, he's bigger than our problems. Uh, he's bigger than our economy. He's bigger than all the trouble. He's bigger than all the trials. Uh, God can still send revival if you believe that this morning. God, when the church has had revival, it's not been, day, been in days so much as peace and prosperity, but in days of persecution. And not in days of plenty, but in days of famine. Sometimes it's the only way to get people to look up. When you've got two cars, air-conditioned and heated cars to drive, when you live in a nice sealed house, and I'm not condemning any of us for having things, there's nothing wrong with having things as long as they don't have you. And I want to say this morning, but when you have that and you live in the land of Bibles, uh, in the land of churches and steeples, uh, in the land of freedom, in the land where there's so much entertainment, in the land where there's so much plenty, when we throw away more food than some countries will ever see, uh, my friend, we eat more in a month uh, or at one meal than some will eat in an entire week. Uh, we have so much. Uh, people just have a tendency uh, to just get at ease inside and just get real comfortable. I'm telling you, I think what God is doing to this nation, he's beginning to shake things up a little bit and he's not going to quit when he starts. He's reaping, my friend, we're reaping the judgment of God, but in the midst of all of that, I'm glad we can still have revival. I'm telling you, the enemy, listen, the economy may fall. Everything else may go to the pots, but the church of the living God can still thrive. We can still go on we can still have the touch of God you say how's that possible he uses unlikely periods amen you realize we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this I'd have loved to lived in the 1800's now brother Randy Sutherland wouldn't have but I would and that's okay I would have loved to live, uh, uh, you know, back a more simpler life. Uh, uh, I like air conditioning. I like inside uh, uh, toilets and all that stuff. But I sure would have liked to live back. Uh, but you know what? That wasn't the time period God put me in. That wasn't the time period God put you in. God in his own way and in his own will. And I'm not a Calvinist, but God is providential and God is sovereign. He puts you where you're at. He puts you in this church for such a time as this. Uh, he's placed you on that pew where you're at. He's put me where I'm at. And God uses unlikely periods. Think about it this morning. Every time God ever did a great revival in your life, it wasn't when things were going so great. It's when times were hard. He used an unlikely period. He used an unlikely people. Look at these people in verse 21. And it came to pass as they, were bearing a man. You ought to circle that word they. I've always wondered who they were. 
Sometimes people will say, uh, now preacher, uh, you know, I heard a little bit of gossip and, and, and they, this is what they said. And I'll always say, well, give me some names. Well, I'd rather not do that. Well, I don't want to tell you who they Well, if you tell me what they said, I want to know who they are. Are y'all with me this morning? I know it's getting quiet. I'm preaching past 12 o'clock and I might preach on everything. So go ahead and take your big old swallow. Amen. But I'm just telling you, who is they? I'd like to know what they, I'll tell you who these days are, if that makes sense. Who is they? I've always wondered who they were. I'll tell you who, who these days were. They were common people. You see, I know they're common. Their names are not mentioned. There's no titles given to them. But God is using common people to help revive this man. You say, well, how, how, how are they playing a vital role if it wouldn't have been for them? If they would not have took the, carried this man, he would have never made it to Elisha's tomb. Just common people brought him to the place where he could have revival. I'm telling you, sometimes God uses preachers in our life. Sometimes God uses a, a different men of God. But sometimes he just puts ordinary, everyday, common people in our pathway that he uses to influence. Everybody don't have to be a preacher. Everybody don't have to be a missionary. Everybody don't have to be an evangelist. God's got people sitting in the pews that are just as vital, just as important. Oh, they may not have a title. They may not have a trophy. They may not get a lot of recognition, but they're common people that God strategically puts in our life to help us to learn how to walk closer to God. And I thank God for the common people. Our Savior was a common person. And they were concerned people. They were obviously concerned because they cared enough to bury this man. But I would say they were courageous people. Because the Bible said in verse 21 that they spied a band of men. They're taking this man out to bury him and on their way to bury him in the process they know that those Moabites are everywhere. I mean they're like roaches. They're hid everywhere in these bands uh, and they're just waiting to attack. Uh, but in spite of that, guess what? They go out and do what needs to be done. These were courageous people. Hey, if you live for God in these days, you're going to have to take courage. Amen. You can't, be, you can't just roll over and give in. It's this is not an hour to compromise, amen? This is not an hour to just, uh, just let everything go. I'm telling you, if you live for God, you're gonna suffer persecution, amen? You gotta be willing to divorce yourself from public opinion and what people are gonna say and what people are gonna do. And people care so much uh, about the vain things of life uh, and what others think about them. But if you're gonna live for God, you're gonna have to have a little bit of fortitude. Uh, you're gonna have to make your mind up uh, that though none go with me, I'm gonna live for Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. Thank God. I know I say it all the time, but I need to say it. I have to say it all the time. We're not changing. We're not shutting her down because it's 12 o'clock. Amen. See, I got a roast in the oven. I put it on high. You should have put it on low. I won't be the first one you burn probably. Put a sauce it up real good. It'll taste all right. Amen. 
Blame it on the preacher. Hey, Amen. I'm just giving you an out. If the cooking ain't too great this morning, I'm just telling you, friend, we get so, so time conscious when it comes to God. But you let it be a football game in overtime. Uh, you let it be getting in the woods at four o'clock in the morning. I'm not against it. I'm telling you, my friend, if that takes preference over the house of God, then it's a real problem. And it is a real problem today. You know why it's not a big deal here? Because I'm always busting every chance I can. But if I let it go, I'm telling you, our church will be ate up with all kinds of mess. It's just the day we're living in, friend. You might as well buckle down and tighten up the hatches. It's the only way that we're going to get to the end of this thing and still keep what we have. It's not dependent upon me and it's not dependent upon you, but it's a time to take courage. Hallelujah. Well, I appreciate you still saying amen. You know how many churches you go to and you couldn't listen. If you, you couldn't get them to give a holy grunt, I'm telling you, people are dying. They just sit around and stare at you, you know, and look at you like you've lost your mind. They've lost their, we ain't lost our mind. They've lost their joy, amen. Hey, we haven't lost uh, the message. They've lost the motivation. I'll tell you, if you quit saying amen, you used to say amen, you ought to get right about it this morning. You need revival. You ought to start letting the amens and the hallelujahs roll. God's let you hear the truth. He let you be around the truth. He let you be in the house of God. I owe him everything. Thing. It doesn't cost me nothing to lift my head and say thank you Lord for being so good to me but it might cost me everything if I sit there till I die. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? I'm telling you this morning unlikely people who ever thought God could use any of us. I'm telling you today I'm not on no high horse by no means. I know where I ought to be at. I know what I ought to be. I know where I probably would be if it wasn't for God. No telling where I'd be at this morning. It's, a, it's amazing that God would ever use us to do anything. But sometimes in church, we, 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 uh, we, we, what we do, we hinder revival because we feel entitled to something or we feel like we can't get in on something because, uh, uh, you know, we don't like this person or we don't like that. Or maybe it's a personality. I don't even believe in personality conflicts if you're a spirit-filled Christian, amen? Uh, uh, you can get along with anybody if you'll walk with God, amen? And I'm telling you, you say, well, I don't like this person, so I can't worship on their song or I can't worship on his sermon I, I know I'm preaching right down into it this morning but I need to I, I'm telling you listen you ought to grow up and get bigger than that don't let nobody listen don't let nobody change your worship I, hey listen you say well, I don't like so and so if you don't like them don't come tell me amen you know why I don't want you to tell me because I want to worship God freely amen I don't want that garbage in my head I don't want to sit in church and think about somebody else I want to think about Jesus and if they're singing about Jesus, if they're preaching about Jesus, if they're teaching about Jesus, I just want to think about him. You say you heard something? No, but I sure have hit something. Amen. I hadn't heard anything, but I sure have hit something. You know what you do when you hit something? You take some Holy Ghost dynamite and you back up and you blow that thing to kingdom come. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, if you want to have revival, you need to get past some things. Amen. I think I will preach this morning. I think I'll just let her all go. Amen. I think I'll just blister every bit of it this morning. I'm telling you, there's some people, you can't get in on nothing. I can see it on your face. Because you're mad right now. 
I'm not being mean. I'm trying to wake you up. This morning, I, I, by the grace of God, the devil might get my health. He got Job's, didn't he? He might get all my possessions. He got all Job's. By the grace of God, he ain't getting my joy. I tell you, it feels so good, brother lady, to come to church. As far as I know, y'all are all batting a thousand this morning. As far as I know, I mean, uh, well, don't let me lie in the pulpit. That ain't true, is it? But I'm telling you, I don't know anything this morning. And if I did, I'd still preach on it. You know that? I don't know anything this morning. I like to stay that way, don't you? And I said, so preacher, you stick your head. No, I mean, if, I, if it comes down to rubber meets road, you know I deal with it. But I'll tell you something. I just want to go to church. I mean this. I just want to go to church and hear the choir sing and hear the saints sing. I want to listen to preaching or I want to preach with a clear conscience. You say, why? Because God uses unlikely people. God don't owe me anything. I'm telling you, if he pulled the plug on me today and I died, everything would still go on because God don't need me this morning. Hey, if he, he's, not, he's not obligated to give me another blessing. He's not obligated to give me another day. He's not obligated to give me another breath. And the sooner we figure that out, the more happier we're going to be. He's not obligated to bless me with anything. He's not obligated to put food on my table. He's not obligated to put clothes on my back. He's not obligated to put money in the bank to pay the bills. He's not obligated to give me electricity, give me water. He's not obligated to get me a good church to go to. You say they problems in this church, they problems in every church. Amen. And because you're here, there's another problem. Amen. Because I'm here, there's another problem. Because where there's people, there's problems. But I think God put us in a wealthy place. I think God set us in a good place. I don't deserve to be a member of Bible Baptist Church. You don't deserve to be a member of this church. But God allowed us to be here. I'm talking about personal revival. Is that God uses unlikely people. Amen. He was an unlikely person. This man was dead. He was disregarded. He was cast aside. He uses an unlikely place. Notice verse number 21. The Bible said they cast the man, look, into the Baptist. Oh, no, that's not right. That's into the sepulcher of Elisha. He used an unlikely people, an unlikely period, an unlikely person. He used an unlikely place. He sent revival to this old boy. Why didn't he revive him when he was on when he when he died on that bed? Why didn't he revive him before they, they brought him to that tomb? Why did God let all that happen and then revive him inside to prove to everybody that he's God? That he's God of the living and he's God of the dead. And he's God amongst the dead. That no matter how far a man has gone, no matter how long a man has been dead, he's not too far gone. That what God can't resurrect him. Now I want to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how long you've been backslid. It doesn't matter how long you've been cold and indifferent. It doesn't matter how long you've been far away from God. I'm telling you, Elisha's been dead for a year, but God still used him. And you may have been dead longer than that. But I'll tell you, God will revive you this morning. 
If you'll lift your eyes into the hills from whence cometh your help. If you'll look to God this morning and say, God, I need revival. And God, I want revival. You can have a personal revival. I'm telling you, he uses unlikely places. You know, I've preached places that I thought for sure we would have revival. And we didn't. We had a good meeting, but we didn't have revival. And then I've preached places where I thought, we'll never have revival. And we did. How is that? God uses unlikely places. I ask you a question this morning personally. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. I just want to ask you this because I asked myself this question. Are you satisfied where we're at as a church today? Or would you like to see God send revival? Young people, are you satisfied with the youth group? Or would you like to see God send a revival to the youth group? Now, if he does that, look up here at me, all you young people. Look up here at me. If he sends revival to this youth group, I don't know anything, but it, and if I did know something, I really would preach on it this morning. But if he sends revival to this youth group, you can't sit around with your feelings hurt at somebody else. Y'all with me, aren't you? I'm training y'all that way because you're going to be adults that I'll be pastoring one day. And, it, and I'm serious. If you don't nail it down now, I'll, we'll have to deal with it. Don't have little I like you and don't like you business. You find the one nobody likes and say, hey, get everybody together and say, we're liking them. Y'all with me on it? All you girls with me on it? Say, hey, I just heard through the grapevine some of you girls, some of you boys don't like this person. I'm telling you, somebody be brave enough to do this. I'll second it. I'll amen it. We're liking them. And if any of y'all don't like them, go see the preacher. Can I get an amen right there? And any parent that don't like what I just said, come see the preacher. We're liking everybody. Y'all with me? We're liking everybody. And to any parents, any adults out there that plays them little kid games, well, we ain't going to shake their hand. Boy, I mean... We ain't shouting on them. We ain't shaking their hand. We ain't talking to them. Hey, we do, hey, we don't do that here. Can I get an amen? We don't do that here. It hadn't been here, and if it ever starts, we're stopping it. Is that right? We don't do that stuff here, and we ain't starting it, and we're not start, we're not gonna let it start. I'm not being ugly this morning. I've been burned. Before you get mad at me for what I'm preaching this morning, so why did you preach that on Sunday morning? Because everybody's here. I'm not preaching it on Wednesday night. And I'm not being, I've been burdened. You know, every time I go to pray, for about two months, every time I'd go to pray, the Holy Spirit, Brother Dave, every time he, he touches my heart about it, Every time. I don't know. But I know the Holy Ghost. Every time he touches my heart about that. 
you got something against somebody, please get it right with God. Am I right about that this morning? You're bogging us down. And quitting ain't an option. You're bogging us down. Am I right, Brother Jason? I love you. I believe you love me. And if you didn't love me, you wouldn't have a choice. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to you. And I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say, Brother Jason, I don't want anything between me and you. Because I love all y'all. I love all y'all. And I love him, boys. And if there's something between us, and there's nothing here. That's why I chose him. That's why I chose him. <laughs> and I'd say, I don't want nothing between us. It might come out there. Isn't that right? I'm talking about having revival. Just talking about not letting nothing get in this place this morning. Personal revival. Hey, life's too short, ain't it? Your life, my life's too short. Too short this morning. God uses unlikely people and places. He, I've watched God, and you have too, use this place down through the years. I thank God for Bible Baptist, don't you? Started in 1961. Brother Kate pastored here for 37 years. I remember like Brother David, I think I got it right. He lived 13 more years, I think, after that. We never had a crossword in him. Not one crossword. And I'm telling you this morning, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I, I, boy, I blew that sermon all to pieces. I had two more good points. I, had, I was going to end on a high, but <laughs> I reckon that ain't happening. I love all y'all. I don't know why when I, every time I pray, the Holy Ghost to just say, can you pray about this? Pray about this. Oh, this morning, raised my, we raised our children in this church. They both got married here. I don't know what I'd do what we'd have done if we hadn't had this place. Brother Laddie, I appreciate you staying here all these years. Ain't always been easy, has it? But we stuck it out. Brother David, Kate, thank you for being here all these years. Leading the choir 22 years for me. And he stayed here all these years. We never had a crossword. I don't know if we always agreed on everything. We never had no, but I'm thinking 22 years, we led, you led the choir. I never disagree, but you know, on the platform 22 years, I'd have a good day and bad day. He'd have a good day. But you know what? We never did have a crossword that I could ever remember. If we did, don't tell me. <laughs> we never had a crossword. What I'm telling you this morning, nothing's perfect. It sure is good, ain't it? How many of y'all would believe me this morning if I told you me and Miss Gravely never had a crossword? 
because she's always right. <laughs> she hates it when I talk about her. She absolutely hates it. Say, so you and your wife ever had a fight? Well, we never had a knockout drag out, but we came close a few times. But I gave up. <laughs> I don't believe people when they say, oh, we never, we've never fought. Well, you're lying. You're lying. Ain't a person on earth believes that. Either that, you ain't been married long. But you know what? Just because it ain't perfect, you don't throw it away and you don't walk away. That's the way it is with you, church. Let's stand this morning. Really comes down to having revival in your soul, my soul. Really ain't even about each other in the church. It's about our walk with God. Just want to always see people get saved and see God work and see God move, don't you? Just want to have a place to bring my family to church. And worship God. We'll sing a verse or two this morning. You obey God while we sing. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength, your courage to renew. Do not be disheartened, for I bring hope to you. It is no secret.